there and welcome back to Season 1, Episode 35 of the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity and insight in life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sandemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today we have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with Carlos Whitaker, who is a writer, he's a communicator, and uh, just an all-around great storyteller and, um, and an influencer. And so we have a conversation about two of his books, um, Kill the Spider, which is the first time that I, I had um, heard of Carlos was when I read his books, read that book, and he talks about the idea of not treating the um, the symptoms, but rather treating the issues that we struggle with, and the idea that we, a lot of times as Christian we're into behavior modification, and we don't actually go to the real source of what is causing us to fall into sin and to fall into those challenges, and the idea, kill the spider and take care of it. You kill the spider, you don't have any more cobwebs. The second book today we talked about was Inner Wild, and uh, it's his newest book where Carlos shares openly and honestly about his um, struggle with anxiety and um, the inner healing that has taken place, and it was fascinating to hear um, him share about that and the journey that God has him on um, in that process. He also talks about his his openness now to hear from the Holy Spirit and how he doesn't explain it away. He does he listens. He acts. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak, and um, then listens as He speaks to Him, and then follows through with that. And so that's that's phenomenal. And then He talks also about praying the promises rather than praying the problems. And a lot of times in, in in the Christian world, we get so focused on our problems, and we forget to pray the promises of God. And just a challenge for us to renew our faith, renew our trust in God, and get our mind off the problems, but it but onto the promises that God has for each and every one of us. And so we just want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Appalachia Spring Dermatology, bringing new life to your skin. Learn more about the medical, cosmetic, and skin cancer screenings and treatments at Appalachia Spring Dermatology. And sign up for Dr. Rosenberger's blog at wvderm.com. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, greetings. It's great to be back on the Clarity Podcast with um, our someone who's really impacted my life with his writings, and um, I've heard him speak, and um, it's great to be with him here today. He's taking some time out of a Saturday morning. So, Carlos, would you go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. Thanks for hanging, letting me hang out with your audience on this Saturday morning or whenever it is that they're listening to the podcast. But yeah, I am... Um, my name is Carlos Whitaker. I live in Nashville, Tennessee with my wife, three kids, one dog, one cat, four chickens, and whatever other animals are roaming around the property. Um, and I, I write books, I tell stories, um, and I talk about the books. Um, and sometimes I talk about other things, but most of the time I'm just talking about what, what I write in my books. And I, I travel uh, pre-pandemic, I travel full-time and uh, share share uh share those stories on stages and um yeah you know it's uh it's a really sweet season i really enjoy what i do um and i appreciate you know people like you reading my book and then telling other people about it because uh that, that's how that that's how i pay my bills so i appreciate it yeah good deal good deal well hey let's jump in um your first the first book that of yours that i read was killing the spider and um it yeah. was truly a blessing to me i had never the analogy of of going after and killing the spider to me was just uh was was fabulous can you can you share about what led you to write that book and being open and honest and transparent because sometimes i think as overseas workers we struggle with that um level of honesty and transparency could you just share a little bit yeah. of the backstory Absolutely. You know, I've, 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 my adult life has, has been 
primarily in ministerial work in one form or another. Um, a lot of it is working in the local church. And uh, I, I, I was kind of the same way, you know, like have, I wasn't very vulnerable and honest because I felt like the more vulnerable and honest I was, the more the people that I was leading would realize what a horrible leader I was and what a horrible, mm. you know, Christian I was. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, there was a lot of um, hiding uh, my sins, hiding mm. my behavioral issues, hiding, hiding these things. And so, you know, the subtitle of the book, Kill the Spider, is getting rid of what's holding you back. Hmm. And that's a very, that's a very, um, uh, I would say, um, loose and easy uh, and maybe light definition of what the book's really about. You know, I think people are like, oh yeah, I'll pick this book up. I want to get past some things. And then I'm like, right hook, <laughs> wham. Um, but uh, I definitely, for me, it was, it was uh, my story. It was kind of written in a memoir-esque fashion, but my story of my sin issue that um, we all have, have sin issues in our lives sure. that, that was destroying my life and ultimately destroyed my family, destroyed my ministry, destroyed everything. And so that, the, my, my story is a story arc of kind of the, um, from kind of the, the moment of trauma mm -hmm. and when everything was destroyed to the moment of, of honestly finally finding some, some healing and, and freedom from that that particular sin issue and so you know uh, the analogy in the book uh yeah. kill the spider um is you know i i talk about killing the spider not cleaning the cobwebs hmm. and most most christians spend 99 percent of their time cleaning the cobwebs whatever it may be and so how i how i define a cobweb versus spider in the book again the book's called kill the spider is a spider is an agreement that you've made with a lie. That's what we mm. need to be going after. That is the root cause. But a cobweb is the medicating behavior that brings false comfort to the lie. So yeah. what we do is we spend all of our attention uh, and all of our focus on whatever behavioral issue it may be. So whether that is alcohol or gossip or pornography or affairs or artificial intimacy or you know whatever whatever it is. Um, and those are just the ugly ones, the ugly behavioral issues, right? There's, there's pretty ones that people love to compliment each other on that we, we don't necessarily even think may be behavioral uh, yeah. uh, things that are medicating. But, but we spend all our time going after the behaviors when I realized through my, my, um, just my time with the Lord and therapy and that I was cleaning the cobwebs, the behavioral hmm. issues. I needed to kill the spider, which is an agreement that you've made with the lie that it's causing the behavior, the sin issue. And so once yeah. I went down that, down that path and I found the agreement I made with the lie and I broke that agreement, freedom was found. And so, yeah, you know, that, that, that book, um, did surprisingly well for, uh, I think my publisher was blown away. I think we were all kind of blown away as kind of how, um, and I, I don't think I was as blown away because I've, I've been very authentic yeah. in my in my struggles online for a long time and i saw how that authenticity would help people i just don't know if there's a, a, enough christian authors out there that are really sharing the deepest darkest parts of their their soul in order for other people to be like oh oh I, i'm just like that guy you know yeah. and so yeah yeah so that, that that's really that book where did you find the courage to and how have you found the courage to be authentic and transparent? Because honestly, you've hit it, you've hit the nail on the head. We all have struggles. We all, you know, we're in the process of working, developing what we're calling band of brothers for, for guys, just so that we can be stronger together. But we're only the level of transparency and honesty of the leader is the, the lid of that group. 
And so if the leaders are not yeah. open and honest and transparent, everybody just comes in and pretend like their life is perfect and they have no struggles. I just haven't met too many guys when you, when they're open and honest and transparent, they have no struggles. So where did yeah. you get that courage at? Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think it probably started when I realized how uh, important it was to, to share and be vulnerable. Uh, I mean, you know, that, that came about um, probably early two thousands for me when I was initially first struggling with anxiety and I was writing a blog at the time. Um, I mean, this was before social media. This was, you know, I just had a tight pad blog or something. I can't remember what it was, but I had shared that I was, that I was taking Paxil 20 milligrams of Paxil a day um, mm. because I struggled with anxiety. And at the time, listen, I didn't know one other, I worked at a big mega church in Southern California. I was kind of like, I followed all the influential pastors and I did not know one other church staff member in the on the planet that was taking an antidepressant now that doesn't mean that they weren't they just weren't talking about it and so i'll just remember the first time i i posted about it i got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh of comments on that blog post saying oh my gosh like you make me feel seen i don't feel Hmm. alone Hmm. and i think something clicked in me something clicked in me in that moment where i said you know what i i it didn't hurt to be vulnerable it didn't, it, it actually, if anything, it, it probably healed me to be vulnerable. Yeah. And so, um, so, you know, and again, this was 2000, uh, this was way before I knew any, really, I like even knew any work of the Holy Spirit, any yeah. work of inner healing, any work of anything. But, but one thing I did know is that being vulnerable, being authentic, led people to not feel alone. And mm. that was when I made a decision. That's what I'm going to be. That's, that's yeah. who I am. And yeah. um, that's what did it. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, moving on to your, your book, Inner, Inner Wild, um, that's the newest one that just came out. And uh, man, it was, uh, it's insightful for me to, because honestly, I grew up as a, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, Assemblies of God, you know, um, Holy Spirit, all those type things. Yeah. So that was my upbringing. And when you talked about your friend, I think it was Brewster, and you guys yeah. went and had that, that <clears throat> conversation. And, and, and anyway, that's what I grew yeah. up in. You know, that was my, oh, yeah. that was my norm. Um, so it was just very interesting to see your insight and your wisdom um, coming at it from a, a different background. Uh, and yeah. so you share in there that in our everyday life, the thing that has really challenged me, to be honest with you, Carlos, is your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit in everyday life. Um, yeah. And so can you just share a little bit about that journey and how you've become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit in just everyday life? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about a story at the, in my book with um, my friend where this is, this is in college, I think. And I had grown up very conservative evangelical Baptist, right? So it was like Father, Son, and Baptist hymnal. Like, there was not like Holy Spirit involved <laughs> in, the, in the discussion. And so anytime, any, and then anytime I would like hear about Holy Spirit, it was always the Holy Ghost. And that yeah. just freaked me out. Yeah. And then, and then anytime I'd like see it or experience what it was, like it was just very extreme in yeah. the methodology in which the churches that I would see, uh, it just, it was scary. And so, you know, like I had an experience with my friend that, you know, again, like I, I'd, I'd gone to the front and we were asked to go to the front to pray for. And then, you know, they were trying to, I guess, slay me in the spirit yeah. or something. Yeah. And, you know, and I just remember thinking like, well, it's not working. And I really wanted it to work, to be honest yeah. with you. But so, so I just like fell backwards. Like I just yeah. fell down and then I saw my friend fall backwards. And then, you know, we had this discussion later, like, did you fake it? Did you fake it? You know? And so like, so I, I just, I, I had, I had a lot of, um, 
I grew up very different from the charismatic culture and right. I had, I had, I had wounds and maybe some baggage and a lot of preconceived ideas of who Holy Spirit was. Hmm. Um, fast forward, I don't know, 25 years to um, my current current season of life. And, and, you know, and then when I started working in the evangelical church, I was working at North Point Community Church, big mega church in Atlanta for Andy Stanley. I was working at Cross Point Church, not work, but I led worship at Cross Point Church here in Nashville, led worship at Saddleback, led worship at Elevation, you know, just a lot of churches that you don't necessarily um, hear uh, and see uh, and uh, taught the power of Holy Spirit. So fast forward to about Four years ago, we decided to try this church out called The Belonging here in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And all I knew, I I was on tour at the time, and my wife, we were looking for a church. We've been at one church for the entirety of our time here in Nashville. And she said, we're going to go try The Belonging while you're on tour. And I was like, oh, well, you can try The Belonging, but I'm not going to The Belonging because (laughs) that's one of those weird churches. Like that, that's that's one of those weird churches where they do the weird things. And she was like, well, we're going to go. So she went. It only took her one Sunday. And she's like, Lord, you're going to have to deal with Carlos. Like this is, this is our church. And um, so I come back from tour. I, um, I go uh, and I, I tell her I'll give it one shot. So I go and I'm very like, uh, I'm like, I'm, my arms are crossed. I don't want anything to do with it. I've, I've got a bad attitude, but I get in there. And of course the worship just slays me uh, mm-hmm. in, in a way that, in a way that I'll just be honest with you, I've not experienced maybe ever before in a church service, just like mm-hmm. a regular church service. And, um, and so the power of Holy Spirit, which I didn't necessarily know that's what it was, was like just upon me. And then the sermon was, again, uh, just incredible. Nothing weird was happening in the room, but there was a palpable presence in the room. And then at the very end, I, I was like, hey, babe, let's get out early because I don't want anyone that knows me to see that I'm here because mm. I don't want like some rumor to start that I'm going to this church. So we get out the door first. And as I'm, I actually have never told this story on a podcast, but as we're, as we're leaving, I hear, so Pastor Henry was on stage doing closing announcements when we walked out the back door. Like he was still on stage with the microphone. And then we're 15 feet from the back door. We're the first ones out when I hear behind me, Carlos, Carlos. Now, now take it. Like I've, I've never met this guy, right? Like he, yeah. and, and I turn around and it's Pastor Henry and he's running out the back door and he's like, Carlos. And he runs up to me and he's like, you were standing out there. This is really bad Australian accent, by the way. You were standing <laughs> out there, and and I I was doing the announcements, and it was like the Holy Spirit put a spotlight on you and said, "Chase him." So I chased you out here, and I need to let you know that if you need, like while he's talking to me, like I just was like, "Okay, like can we have coffee? Like I'd love to hang out," you know. And uh, that was the beginning for me of understanding that. There's a way, uh, and, and that Holy Spirit is speaking to us constantly. Mm. Uh, that was really the be- kind of a, a beginning, eye-opening moment for me. And, and then the church, has really, um, uh, the, the church has really built my theology, this new theology. I feel like a kindergartner in, you know, in, in school because I didn't know that miracle signs and wonders were available, uh, especially in kind of Western American you know, churches. Like we don't... Yeah. We don't necessarily have a need for yeah. miracle signs and wonders a lot of times, and so um, I started. I started just trusting the process and yeah. having started asking Holy Spirit things on a daily basis. And lo and behold, guess what? He would answer. <laughs> and go figure. And then, and then th- those those small things. I'd start really small, and then they got bigger. And yeah. then you know, um, now 
I can't imagine um, living my life without um, the the ability to ask specific questions and and Holy Spirit give specific answers. And you know, I I, I may call myself Baptocostal now or Baptismatic, <laughs> and you know, I, I I definitely immigrated from the land of sin management uh, yeah. in churches and and stepped off into the lands of miracle signs and wonders. And now I feel like it's my role and my job. And you've read the book now, so. Uh, this the, I give this analogy. I kind of feel like Lucy in Chronicles of Narnia, hmm. who has stepped through the wardrobe and seen Narnia, this magical yeah. land. And I've run back across to convince my siblings that this land exists. And they, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, trust me. <laughs> trust me. And just like Lucy's brothers, they wouldn't. You know, they, they were like, uh, they actually go to the professor they're living with. And they're like, our, our sister's lost her mind. And I feel yeah. like so many people uh, are saying that about me. And so I feel like my book, Enter Wild, is me gracelessly taking you by the hand and taking you into Narnia. That's awesome. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was really fascinating in your book was you talk about editing, you know, and um, a lot of times we, we, we feel the Holy Spirit speaking to us and then we kind of edit that because we, and then we kind of revert to our own logic and trying to figure it all out. Can you just share a little bit more about that? Because honestly, that was very, a very fascinating point for me. Absolutely. You know, uh, I can't remember where I first heard this from. Most of, most everything I hear about learning from Holy Spirit, I just need to let you know, is like for my wife. So like she's, she's the one, she's <laughs> the, the sage in this for me, but uh, the whole edit, the Holy Spirit, um, is something to me that I had a tendency of doing when, when at the at, at the beginning of, of of this conversational intimacy with with Jesus uh, yeah. and with Holy Spirit, I would I would I'd say ninety percent of the time hear something and then doubt it and then fix it to fit my situation because hmm. you know when 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 Holy Spirit tells you to do something that is kind of what kind of like off the rails you're automatically going to assume well of course this isn't what i'm supposed to be doing like this isn't uh, i'm i'm going to edit what what i heard because that can't be right yeah and although you know i i agree that we definitely need to be diligent in making sure that what we hear is from the lord okay yeah. the 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 due diligence that i would tell people to do is to move from um from maybe a um uh, a feeling and mm -hmm. something that you you feel or maybe a vision that you see and go to scripture yeah. and open scripture and compare and contrast what's happening there if scripture is not telling you any different okay, if it's backing that up um then listen you you really have no right to to edit what holy spirit is telling you and it may feel crazy and it may sound crazy but i promise you it's um it's what you need to do i, I mean simple example yesterday morning before i, I had this talk to this corporate audience um, and so I do a lot of talks to corporate audiences, like so yeah. non-faith based. Uh, and so in the middle of my talk, so I'm, it's like a 15 minute zoom call. Uh, I was actually told by, by, by the person that I was doing it, like not to talk about Jesus, not to talk about God. These are non-Christians, you know? Um, but I, I just felt, <laughs> I, I just felt in the middle of it, like I can, I can say this in a safe way and I can talk about my faith in a safe way. And so I did, and he was sitting right next to me and I remember wanting to edit what I was hearing from Holy Spirit because the guy that specifically asked me was sitting right next to me. And so this is a Zoom call, right? This is a Zoom yeah. call that I can't, I can't see anyone. I'm getting no reaction. Uh, so I, I tell the story um, you know, about God. I, I talk about specifically praying is what I talk yeah. about. And when I get done, the guy next to me who, who asked me not to talk about it was like, 
he was asking everyone in the room what their favorite, because there were production people in the room, what their favorite part of my talk was. And he was like, dude, my favorite part of the talk was when you talked about, um, about your daily prayer and how like you focus. And I'm like, so actually it was for him. <laughs> like it was, it was for the guy that asked me not to do it. And so those are those little things where you can't edit Holy Spirit. If Holy Spirit yeah. is speaking to you, you know, uh, obey. Uh, and, and again, the, it's as a muscle, right? The more, you, you, you ask specific questions and you search and hear for specific answers, the better you're going to get at it. Yeah. You share in your book, um, you know, that when you felt the, well, the Holy Spirit was speaking to you and you talk about edit, you send out an email and cancel a bunch of things, and then it didn't go exactly as you thought it was going to go. Can you just share? Because I think that's when, at least for me, is I, I, I hear the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and and then I act on that, and then it doesn't necessarily go the way I thought it was, and then that's when kind of doubt kind of trickles in, and yeah. actually sometimes it doesn't trickle, it it comes in like a flood, and then I try to do damage yeah. management and try to go back. Can you just share that story of the courage you you, you the step you took, and then how you walked in in that? Because I think that would really encourage um, encourage the audience. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, um, I was I was in a season of transitioning from like worship leading. I'd just written a book uh, to speaking, and you know, I, it was it was a it was a scary season. Like it was it was trusting God that um, me moving from a a very successful career uh, in leading worship to um, to becoming an author and a speaker. Um, there was a lot of very loud voices from the enemy coming in going like, you're going to fail, you're going to fail. And honestly, you're talking about this desert season that I was yeah. in um, when, um, when yeah, I, I, I did kind of obey. And this, again, was very, I mean, this may have been even before I, I'm, I'm in this current season of life right now where I really understand yeah. how to hear. Yeah. Um, but I was, uh, uh, yeah, I went through, through weeks of... Um, of not having any bookings come in, not have, you know, not have anything come in. And um, I think this is a story you're, you're, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's you're, it. You're asking about. Um, and then, so, you know, just, uh, this is just like God, my very first um, uh, booking uh, that I'd gotten in a while was actually to, um, to, to sing at the white house. And so, you know, to, to, to go from, um, from this desert, from this desert, you know, this desert season into, wow, like, you know, um, I'm going to actually get to declare the goodness of God in front of the president. You know, it's actually like sat with him at breakfast. Like his nameplate was two away from mine at the same table. It was, it was like a, it, it was such a crazy experience of, of, of asking God something specifically and then him actually not answering like, and, and that, that's, that's that season that so many of us uh, are, are living in is we've asked God something specific. And then we, he's either said no, or he has um, not said anything. And I, you know, I, I think it's those, those, those seasons of him not saying anything that some people may call desert seasons. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily like to call those desert seasons because you know, uh, just because he's not saying anything doesn't mean you're not, you're in the desert, right? Hmm. Just because he's not he's not saying anything doesn't mean that um, that he's not there. He's not with you. Uh, there will be seasons of silence that that you um, experience as you begin this journey of uh, of hearing Holy Spirit. Um, and and honestly, again, if there's something that God is committed to in in who we are as His children. Um, 
it's something that I think we as parents need to be committed to for our kids. It's our maturing, right? Hmm. We, we, he is constantly maturing us. And I'll tell you what, the, the seasons of my maturity growing the most have been the seasons where he has been the quietest, have been hmm. the seasons where he hasn't spoke the loudest. And I've hmm. had to, I've had to work, I've had to mature, but I can look back at those seasons uh, because the, the beautiful thing is I can call them seasons because they, they're never everlasting. They never, yeah. There's always a beginning and there's always an end. And that's, that's how you define a season. And so yeah. it is a season. And so if you have been asking God specific questions and if he, if Holy Spirit has been silent, I need to let you know that A, it's for a reason hmm. and B, it's a season. Oh, that, hmm. that rhymes. It's a reason <laughs> and, and, and it's a season. And, 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 and just know that his promises are, are always going to be yes and amen, right? They're always going to yeah. be, and yes, isn't necessarily yes to your question. Yes is yes to your maturity. And amen is, is basically his final seal of approval that he will answer. He will come through uh, his promises. Uh, he's never not come through on a promise. And so, uh, you know, some people, it may be 14 days of, of not hearing some people it may be 14 years to be yeah. honest with you but you will always look back and you will always understand after the fact why he was why he was quiet why uh he said no um there's 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 a lot of prayers in my life right now currently that he has not answered in the way that i have asked him specifically to answer mm. uh and and i think maybe four years ago i would have gone through a season of you know of of real frustration with him but now I, I actually sit in these seasons of him and not answering and go, okay, Lord, what, why, what, what are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to teach me in this? That's a very important question. When you're in seasons of, of him not answering a specific question, change the question, move from God, heal this. Okay, God, you're, you're not necessarily healing that right now. So Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this season of not healing? And watch when you ask that question, he will reveal to you that. And then you're like, Oh, you know, and then suddenly that's where that abundance can come in I, that John 10, 10 talks about in a season of pain, in a season of silence, in a season of, of what you may consider darkness, you can still have life to the full and life with abundance in those seasons when you start changing the question. Yeah, that's good. That's good. One of yeah. the other fascinating parts of your book for me was you talked about entering war or interwar. And, um, you yeah. know, in, in the Christian world, at least that, that I've grown up in, the idea of entering war doesn't sound like the pretty easy, everything's comfortable, it's everything's in good. You know, and the majority of this audience are missionaries around the world. And we we understand the, the reality yeah. of spiritual warfare. We understand that because that's the life we're living. But you share it in the context of um, um, the challenge you had with anxiety. Can you unpack that just a little bit of and walk? Uh, I know you can't tell the whole all of it, but the reality sure. of entering war and what that looked like for you as you were battling anxiety. Yeah, you know, um, and you know, I'm, I'm super vulnerable again about, and I have been about my anxiety struggles for so long. And the, the enter war section does take you on a start, smaller story arc of me finding freedom from a particular form of anxiety and that I've been trying to find freedom from for a long time. And so for me, um, you know, I think the way I was trying to battle the spiritual warfare and the anxiety that I was in for a long time before was by, I would pray. Okay. So I would, I would like, I would pray that God would take it away. That was, hmm. then that was kind of like the end of it. Like, like that was like, I think that's all I, I knew to pray for yeah. so long was like, Lord, take this away. Take the thorn in my flesh away. Like I want it gone. Um, and so that was my prayer, first of all. Uh, and my prayers were very like, oh God, I'm so anxious. Oh God, I'm so 
you know, depressed. Oh Lord, like I'm so worried. Th those were my prayers. Um, and then I would also do other things that I think were beneficial and helped me. I, I, again, I took Paxil, 20 milligrams yeah. of an antidepressant every single day for 13 years. I, uh, I went to the doctor, I went to counseling, I changed my diet, I changed, I, you know, I started exercising. I did a lot of things that, that helped my anxiety get better. Hmm. Um, and so, but I, I don't think I understood the, that the goal here wasn't to get better. The goal here was to get healed. Hmm. But man, I'm telling you, when, when you're living in a, when you're living in a space of a mild faith, uh, when you're living in a space of, of believing that, you know, um, and put, placing all your hope in things of the natural doctors and medicine yeah. and all those things, those things shouldn't be our hope. They should be our help. Hmm. So I like to tell people that, that in my learnings towards my healing with my anxiety is I had to switch it to my hope was in the natural and my help was in the supernatural to my help is in the natural and my hope is in the supernatural. That's good. And That's good. the way, the way that I did that was I found a man here in Nashville because in kill the spider, I take you through a journey of, of, of a place I went to called onsite, which was seven days of experiential therapy and therapy really helped me. And I feel like onsite got me like 60% healed, but 60% hmm. healed felt so much better than 0% healed. Yeah. So at 60%, it felt like a hundred. And yeah. so, you know, I just, I kind of settled. Like I was like, okay, well maybe this is it. But then I was challenged. Uh, know that, that when I started going to our, our church, the belonging, no, like actually full and complete healing is available. Hmm. And man, it's so hard when you struggle with anxiety for so long, it's really hard to believe that you could really actually be free from that. So I found a man named John who um, did a, a version of inner healing. And inner healing is basically, um, for someone that's not familiar with that, is basically inviting Holy Spirit to come in and heal parts of you uh, that, that maybe a therapist or medicine can't. And, and so the version of inner healing we did was called Heart Sync. And why I liked it, it particularly is because um, this version of inner healing therapy, uh, prayer ministry, is... Uh, it believes that our heart has, that God has created all parts of our heart. And we have, through trauma and trials, removed portions of our heart and taken it out and avoided that part of our heart uh, and almost shamed that part of our heart and, hmm. and have come out of relationship with that part of our heart. And so where my, where kind of the acceleration towards my healing of anxiety happened was, you know, I thought we were going to go in there and keep praying the prayers that I've been praying. Lord, heal me of my anxiety. Lord, heal me of my anxiety. Lord, I'm so anxious. But that's not where we went at all. We went towards this place of, of he allowed me to realize that my, I've been placing so much shame upon a part of myself. Because in Kill the Spider, I talk about this part of myself that destroyed my family and my ministry. Well, I would say things like after, after I kind of got 60% better, I'd say things like, I don't ever want to see that part of me again. I don't hmm. ever want to... To, to talk to that part of me. I don't ever want to. And so, and what I didn't understand was that part of me that I was shaming and that I had, I'd like divorce was actually a part of me that God created. And hmm. so although that part of me was making poor decisions, that part of me was still a part of my heart. Hmm. And what I learned in heart sync was that I had to go back to that part of me and invite that part of me back into relationship and invite it back into my heart. Um, and what, why that was scary was a, that part of me destroyed my life. Why in the world would I ever want that part of me back? But what I learned was that, no, that part of you was just protecting you from pain. Hmm. And we, we learn about, we learn about, I mean, this is maybe getting deeper than you want to get, but um, we learn about um, forgiveness in church all the time, forgiveness from God and forgiveness um, of others and from others. But we never talk about forgiveness of self. 
That's and good. when I finally forgave myself, when I finally invited that part of me back in, my heart literally was repaired and, and freedom was found. And it was, it was mind blowing. And I learned some tools and weapons of warfare in my time with John. Again, praise and thanksgiving um, being weapons that I didn't realize were weapons. I just thought those were things that made you feel good in church. Yeah. Um, but they're literal weapons of warfare. And then the other thing, and I talked a little bit about this before, I was praying, Lord, what was me? I was hmm. praying my problems. Um, but instead That's of praying true. my problems, I started praying the promises. And I started speaking the promises of God over my life. And I learned in scripture that uh, Jesus never prayed the problem. He always prayed the promise. So it hmm. went from what was me to great as he. And again, these weapons of warfare I talk about in the middle of the book um, are, I mean, are rapid accelerators towards our healing. So. Nice. That's good. What does that look like um, in, in an everyday life? Not that we're asking, we're going to f- do it exactly, but what, what does that look like for you as you talk about praying the, the promise and not the problems? Is that something you do once a day? Is that something continually you're talking to the Father throughout the day? What does that look like for you, Carlos? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what it should look like for me, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> always look like for me, is, is uh, you know, and I, and I, I go through, I go through seasons as, as a human where uh, I'm on it more than I am other seasons, but there's a daily prayer in the back of my, both my books. Yeah. I'll probably put it in the back of every book I write that, that is, is, is a consecration prayer. Um, yeah. uh, it's, it's a consecration prayer that, that I pray for my day. And so yeah. the, the prayer is actually filled with the promises of God. So that's a good, that, that's a, that's a very simple, easy way to do it. A lot of people, uh, I, I kind of do it like, so I got this prayer, um, this version of prayer from a man named John Eldridge. And then I kind of re rewrote it for, for my audience, uh, really for myself and my family. My, my wife helped me do that. But, um, you know, sometimes if I don't have time to do it, like read it in my, I'll, I'll like play it like the audio book. I'll, I'll play it and I'll just repeat after myself, my own words or John's words, whatever it may be. And I do that. So that's one way. But then also, um, I, th- I think another way to pray the promises over your life is, is not necessarily in prayer, but to change your language, to change our language um, from claiming things in our life on a daily basis that we don't need to be claiming. So things, phrases like, I am worried, I have anxiety. Like what we're doing when we say those things is we're making many agreements yeah. that we have these things. And when you have something, it's a lot different than when you're going through something. So changing your language from I have anxiety or I have whatever issue you're dealing with to I'm going through a season of anxiety or going again, season means there's a beginning and it means there's an end. So there's that. And then I'd say lastly, making sure that specifically you're uh, finding the promises of God and speaking those things over, over your life. And so, you know, say for instance, your, your, your big thing is anxiety, whatever it may be. Um, Make sure that you find scripture that counteract. I have anxiety. And so for me, that is, um, I am the body of Christ and Satan has no power over me for I overcome evil with good. I'm of God and have overcome him. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I will fear no evil for you are with me, Lord, your word and your spirit. They comfort me. I'm far from oppression. Fear does not come near me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper for my righteousness is of the Lord. And like these scriptures are now embedded in me to where throughout my day, when I begin to feel, um, feel worry, and instead of speaking, I pray the promises of God and the promises of God are just scripture. Like I just go to scripture. There's a, there's a tiny book that I have called God's Creative Power for You by a man named Charles Caps, And it's a little pamphlet. It's like 99 cents on Amazon. And it's just filled with specific promises um, for worry, 
mm-hmm. uh, scripture, specific promises uh, for finances, specific promises for physical healing. And so again, I grab the truths of the word and I pray those things over my life. And so that's really what it looks like on a daily basis for me. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, can I ask one more? Is it okay to ask one more question? Yeah. Hey, you, sh- you shared, I've heard you, oh, I saw it on Instagram and you shared a story of, of we've walked through this time about an interaction you have with your neighbor and two bunnies. And um, could you just unpack yeah. that story for the audience? I think it's very timely and um, it really um, spoke to me and encouraged, you're a phenomenal storyteller and uh, you can, oh, thanks. I mean, you really are. And so could you just un- share that story a little bit and then, um, and then we can move into a time of prayer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, here again, I don't know where you're listening to this, but here in the States, obviously, as you've seen, we're, we're in the middle of, well, we're in the middle of two things, a pandemic, which you are all, whoever's listening to is also a part of, uh, but, but we're also in the middle of just conversations on racial justice and racial injustice. And, um, when this, this encounter with my neighbor happened really right at the height of all the protests that were happening, a lot of violence that was happening. Um, in a lot of major cities in America. Um, and so my neighbor across the street, I've got a lot of great neighbors. I live in a predominantly white, um, you know, middle-class neighborhood in this, in the South and all my neighbors are super nice and friendly, you know, and there's one neighbor across the street, literally, I mean, 10 feet from my house that I've tried for years to kind of wave at or smile at or say hello to. And he's just never, he kind of will will look at me with a grumpy kind of look on his face and then just (laughs) walk away. And uh, he's a he's a single old. Uh, when I say old, older gentleman. I mean, again, I'm getting I'm getting old. So like, the, when, whenever I say old, I'm like, I gotta be careful. Um, but um, and uh, and so I I just assumed after years of him never saying we've lived here for five years now, uh, never saying anything to me that he didn't like me because because I don't look like him. That that yeah. was the, the the bias that was in my heart. And. Um, and so I, I just kind of made, made my mind up that, you know, and he, and I guess I, I should also add a caveat that he, he all, he has an American flag on his door and has um, like American flag. He's always wearing one on his shirt or his head. And so for me, I love America. I love the American flag, but in, in recent years, the, the American flag has been weaponized against people of color in certain ways. And so that seeing that and seeing he's an older white gentleman in the South, that's where my bias came in. That's where my assumption came in. Well, come to, uh, the story goes to where he's got these two white bunnies in his front yard and um, they've been there forever. They were, I think, I mean, they were always just two white bunnies and he walks out with a can of paint and he starts painting one of them black. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Maybe it's like world war two Memorial day or something. Like he's, he's painting his bunnies black to, I didn't even <laughs> give him the benefit of the doubt. And, and sure enough, he only paints one bunny. He doesn't paint the other bunny. Uh, and so there's one black bunny and one white bunny. And so I was like, no way. Is he really doing what I think he's doing? So I, I think it was the next day. Um, my wife and I are sitting on the, uh, the patio and I see him come out and I was like, I'm going to go talk to him. So of mm. course, as I do, because I'm a storyteller, I started recording on my phone and I walked across the street and I just said, hey, sir, excuse me, because I wanted to ask him. I said, my name's Carlos. I live across the street. Duh. I don't even know why I said that. That was kind of awkward. But uh, he's like, um, right. The second I, the second I got within two feet of him, his face, his face just lit up. He smiled ear to ear and he's like, my name's James Martin, you know? And he's like, I've lived here since 1956. And, um, and we just start talking and I'm like, oh my gosh, a, first of all, all it took was me walking across the street and the guy's like smiling ear to ear. 
Um, but then I asked him, why'd you paint the bunny black? And he told me, he said, um, with everything that's going on in our nation, um, this was my simple way of, uh, of, of saying what I believe in. And he said, George Floyd's murder um, really sparked something in me. I had a, um, a servant, he, when he was raised here in Nashville, they, their family actually had a servant who was a black woman. Um, and he's like, she taught me how to do math. She taught, she helped me brush my teeth. She, she basically was a third parent to me. And I can't imagine why anyone would look at her any different. And so, so the, this bunny was the biggest bunny. <clears throat> he was black. And so I decided to paint him black because George Floyd was six foot six is what he said. And, um, this is just my way. So anyway, I, I record, I told him that I recorded it. Um, maybe I didn't tell him until like the day after, but anyway, I, 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 I uploaded it, I uploaded it to, I put some music behind it. Cause that's what I do, uh, to pull on some heartstrings. I uploaded it to, uh, maybe it was Instagram and Facebook. And now it's been viewed almost 3 million times across, across my platforms. Um, and I think it's because me as a black guy actually admitted my bias towards a white guy. And if I can do it, then we should all be able to do it. Uh, and I, and then, but I think the key point was I actually on the in the video I said I'm sorry I apologized to him I said I'm sorry if I ever thought anything negative about you uh, because of my biasness and that I, what I, what I hope it did is what it, I think it did it sparked deeper thought about wow what's my bias and who do I need to apologize to it for so yeah. that was that story you know and it's 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 been really cool yeah you are a phenomenal storyteller and um yeah and i appreciate you right carlos would you pray for us pray for the audience today that god will use this conversation to speak to them um wherever they're at absolutely lord we uh we come to you right now uh with the goal of of having you um consecrate our lives in whatever moment we find ourselves in so we that's what we ask right now again for for your renewal um uh, for your restoration uh, for whatever it needs to be that re- needs to be renewed and restored in this moment, uh, so that whenever we're listening to this, uh, we can uh, take the, the 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 rest of the words that I pray uh, in a in a in a clean space. So we clean out anything that is uh, inside of us. We we send away any fear, any worry, any doubt, anything that's not of you, Lord. Uh, we send that out of our hearts right now. And now that we've sent those things out by the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection, I specifically invite you in to any space that anyone that's listening to this may have had vacated by those lies that have just left. Uh, and I, I ask specifically that you enter in those spaces and you begin to speak to those spaces. You begin uh, to speak very clearly about the spaces in our hearts that we need healing. Lord, uh, be very specific with us. I pray for, for maybe somebody that's listening to this right now uh, that may be in a season of, of silence from you in a season where you're, um, you're not speaking. I, I pray that you um, uh, remind them that your silence is for a reason, that your silence is not because they've done something wrong, that your silence is not because um, they're a bad person, but that your silence is for a reason. I pray that um, their question right now is, Lord, what are you having me learn in this season of silence? I pray that you begin to switch it. And I also pray specifically for the person that hasn't heard clearly from you in a long, I'll say in over a decade, if there's somebody hmm. listening to this right now that has not heard from you in over a decade that may hear this conversation and be rolling their eyes the entire time because they're thinking, that's great for him, but it's just not going to work for me. I pray that today, uh, even if they don't ask you a question, I pray that you show up uh, in a way that they hear you so clearly today that you blow their mind. And so I pray very specifically for that person 
that's listening to this. And again, just for everyone that's listening, Lord, be a God of clarity in their lives, be a God of direction in their lives. Uh, but more than anything, I pray that the clarity and the direction lead all of us every single day towards being more free, towards a sanctification process that is ever happening in our lives. May you, leave, may you help us leave just, um, just the safety that we may feel uh, not, not having crucial conversations and not being the hands and feet of Jesus in the midst of a climate in this, on this planet right now that needs people to be loud and vocal in the hands and feet of Jesus. Allow us to be more like Jesus, uh, to be wild, and to step out in our faith. For it's by the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection that I pray these words. Amen. Amen.